And welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is the We X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach and Adam. Oh man, this is going to be a fun one. Hello. Hi. Yeah, it's, oh, Leah's here, guys. Leah Williams. <laughs> she, she writes extremists uh, from the Age of X-Men and also the What If Magic special and the Emma Frost Black X-Men Black one-shot. And just some stuff. Uh, she writes Barbarella Deja Thoris, and her new creator-owned book, Render, is coming out soon. It's Leah. Hi. Hey, Leah, what's up? Uh, hi, sorry, I got too excited. I was just ready to you start really talking. Did. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Welcome back. Thanks for being here again. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm obviously very thrilled about being able to catch up with you guys and talk all things X-Men again. It's exciting. I mean. I, I know we were talking off air, but I just got f- finished listening to our first interview from 64 weeks ago as you were getting ready to release X-Men Gold Annual Number 1, which kind of feels like a lifetime ago. So uh, anything new? You've been, you've been yeah. doing anything in the past year and change? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's been um, a lot. Uh, so that, that X-Men Gold Annual... Um, was my first full length issue that I, first full length script that I wrote for Marvel. And um, I was co-writing it with Mark Guggenheim. Um, it was the Excalibur reunion. And then the past year, I also had um, my first full length issues come out as um, a solo writer. And that was kind of my real what I consider to be my, my Marvel debut. Um, uh, you know, cause it's the first time I had a full length issue and wasn't working with a co-writer and it, both of those issues came out on Halloween. It was, mm-hmm. Um, what if magic and, uh, X-Men black Emma Frost. Um, and I've also gotten my first, miniseries and the second one and some other secrets <laughs> that are super exciting <laughs> but um i i can talk about my my miniseries for sure that's very exciting i do have to ask though with two books coming out as your marvel debut on the same day how does it feel to set the bar that high with two stellar issues and then have to live up to that every day <laughs> I relish the challenge of being able to um, exceed expectations. And I know, like, just the fact that they did plan, um, you know, those issues, my Marvel debut to come out on the same day, I knew that it was going to be uh I, I would have a lot of eyes on me for what I would be doing with it. And I always wanted to come out swinging in in this scenario um and really really 
show my voice and what I can do. Um, and it, those two issues still seem unbelievable to me just by the nature of the projects. They're so uniquely attuned to my interests and the kind of thing that I literally daydreamed about. I was looking at one of my old notebooks from a couple years ago. I have an Emma Frost notebook where I just take notes <laughs> on Emma Frost. Somehow and, that tracks. And it is just this loving if you know unhinged <laughs> to to a non-comics fan i'm sure it would seem crazy um just a, a loving notation of emma frost and i found a page where i was talking about why emma deserves to be the black king and why you know a hostile takeover of the hellfire club and uh kind of commandeering the resources of it without destroying it um, and using it to her advantage to, you know, in my notes, I, I said to go on and open up like 30 schools because I don't think she'd ever open up a school again. I think she'd open up 20 all over the world. Um, it, it still feels absolutely unreal to me that those issues exist. It's nuts because to me, reading that, when I got to the reveal of what was happening, I thought that is an awesome way to set up a brand new status quo and an interesting status quo for a character that, at least over the last few years, has been in strange territory. Let's just, let's just, let's just say that. Yeah. We've done a whole episode on IBX. We don't need to go down yeah, that yeah, route. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, and, and that was definitely... So I'm not rational about Emma Frost. I, I have no emotional distance from her. And, and the way that I talk about her is as a, a prostitute, a fangirl, an Emma Frost <laughs> fangirl. Um, so I, I definitely, having a chance to write her, it felt like I was getting away with something. And I felt careening i i felt like oh my god oh my god how possible i don't understand um and it was just wildly exhilarating and in contrast i i love magic i love iliana rasputin um but i am am protective of her in a different way because i think of her as a child mm -hmm. as as a young one so that writing process was super methodical. Every single detail, every single panel, um, my editor, Annalise Bisa and I, we were kind of lockstep uh, in our vision for this. And um, we talked about the the impact of, of really finely tuned moments and, and lots of nuance. And um, it, it was, it was a lot of work, but we knew the whole time that we were making something special, that we were we were doing something unique. Well, I think both of those issues really are some of the tightest one shots I've read in a really long time. Um, you can tell that a lot of work went into the precision of both of them. Um, it, it was a really cool reading both of them within the same week because you, in the one hand, I'm reading the, uh, the Emma book and I'm cheering. And then I got to say your magic, a uh, one shot was 
the last comic book that I can think about in recent memory that made me tear up. Um, you know, the callback to the original Magic miniseries with the uh, creation magic um, and that scene with the staff, it, it's, I don't know, it, you could tell that you have such a, a good understanding of both of these characters and where one of them could go, you know, um, mm -hmm. with magic and then one where one should go with uh, with Emma. So uh, kudos to you. They were great. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, the place you're in right now, we we don't have a complete picture of it yet because extremists has not yet started. Um, we've seen the extremist appear in the age of X-Men Alpha, but uh, and in next gen and in oh, next right, gen and next gen. Sorry. Um, we so got, we're getting we these got little big blob in next gen. Yeah. And we're going to talk about blob. <laughs> um, but uh, when we had Zach and Lonnie on, one of the things they talked about was that in pitching the event, they were sort of given this like monster uh, vision board of 65 X-Men and told to kind of pitch ideas. And I'm curious, um, you know, at what point did you come into that creative process, Be especially in terms of the roster? Um, I was just I was just getting my my daughter into bed and she's like, oh, who are you interviewing tonight? And I said, oh, we've got Leah Williams coming on. She's and, uh, you know, my daughter reads some comics, but she doesn't read X-Men. So she goes, oh, well, what is she working on? So I gave her the pitch for extremists and she goes, well, who's on the team? And the first person I said was Jubilee. And she knows that I I do my, you know, Vision Jubes comics. So she goes, what the heck is Jubilee doing on a team like that? So <laughs> like, at what point did you kind of step in and say, okay, are, are you being given this team? Is, is the team part of your genesis? Like, what was that process like? Uh, Jordan uh, is my editor on this. Um, mm -hmm. And he basically approached me um, with a bare bones concept of the event itself. And he was like, do you want to write the Gestapo book? Um, mm. And, you know, I, I started looking over the materials, um, Zach and Lonnie's basic outline and the way that they did it um, is really amazing because they have the, the overarching story and then they broke it out into, and we think this could be, um, written by another writer and we think this could be another angle of the story. So that's what we mean when you'll hear them say like, the more you read the mortal enrich your experience of the event. Um, it, it, it just fleshes out the world building in a way that's super exciting. So, um, when they asked me if I wanted to write this, um, neo-nazi book <laughs> i i was like can i have jubilee and can i have canonically queer characters because if so then like challenge accepted um it is a really difficult book to write and this i i have gotten myself into trouble a bit because of um the same thing that worked in my favor with the one shots of fine tuning it to 20 pages. I'm doing that for five issues now without mm -hmm. taking into consideration how people feel when the different covers and solicits come out mm -hmm. <laughs> before they've been able to read it. So it's, 
I, I, you know, tried being as, as, uh, delicate as possible in the beginning and, and just told people like, I know this is going to sound scary, like the forbidden romance thing and having queer characters, but I would never, you know, do anything to undermine queer identity. The, the fact that I requested these characters specifically is because, you know, my, the first lens that I wore when I was looking at how to tell this story was from my perspective as a queer woman and i'm like looking at this forbidden romance world and just thinking well jesus christ what about you know the folks that already know what forbidden romance feels like mm -hmm. uh and and that's that was always my approach to this um can i ask you you said that the very first character <laughs> that that jumped to your mind was jubilee um I mean, we often associate Jubilee with sort of being this freewheeling, joyful, happy character. Is that the irony here that you're going for? Um, that this, no, there's that's gonna be the a earnestness. That's okay. I need that. And um, so if Extremists was a song, um, each issue focuses on a different character uh, mm -hmm. so that we can really, you know, highlight them individually. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, you know, give fans a whole issue with their faves instead of breaking it up between group moments here and there. Because um, the and, team, just just to just to be clear for people who may not be following the solicits, the team that we're dealing with here is Psylocke, Iceman, North Star, Blob, Jubilee, and a new character named Moneta. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all. Sorry, just wanted to make sure people uh, people who aren't as obsessively into what's happening in X-Men and especially what's happening in the age of X-Men that I'm still a little surprised that we're in uh, know what's going on when you're talking about the uh, the fascist X-Men team that we have now. Like, yeah, this, yeah. This, is, this is a bit of a different thing. Just roll with it, guys. Lee's got this. <laughs> um, I... Good looking out. I don't remember what I was talking about. Think something about though. Jubilee. Was oh, right, right. Okay, so Playlist. Jubilee um, was from day one who I pictured as the crown jewel of this moment, and just absolutely her specifically um, integral to the storytelling of this. Uh, and so each issue focuses on a different uh, team member of department x and i've said that if extremist were a song jean paul would be the sweeping crescendo um the you know the the rise and jubilee would be the bombastic grand Ooh. finale i <laughs> cannot wait for people to get get the full picture of extremists um because it's 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 gonna be a lot it's gonna be so much um but it's gonna feel so good at the end oh i'm so excited about this this is great it's it's something that i think has been interesting through the entirety of the age of x-man that we have uh we have had unfold in front of us over the last little bit it's stories getting pushed into new and interesting directions that we haven't necessarily seen in the X line in, you know, a couple of decades at best and ever at worst. 
God, yeah, that was one thing that I said to Jordan when he um, first reached out to me about doing this. Uh, I, I was just kind of aghast, like, this is the kind of really metatextual and nuanced X-Men storytelling that I've been desperate for for so long, just as a reader. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I actually get to participate in it um, doesn't feel real, uh, but it again still feels like i'm i'm getting away with something so have you uh have you felt a struggle trying to balance uh writing these heroes like psylocke and jubilee and all these characters that are traditionally big heroic x-men characters and writing them both as the protagonist of your story and also an oppressive fascist police force <laughs> No, because oh, okay. uh, because fuck Nate Gray. That's why. First of all, <laughs> like they none of what they're doing was their choice. They did not consent to this. They didn't um, put themselves in these positions. None of them chose this, and that's why the story I'm most excited to tell um, for extremists is not something that revels in erasure and you know prosecuting affection but the righteous anger they're gonna feel when they wake up and look around at what they've been forced to be complicit in because to me that's what makes the hairs raise on my arms like that's what gives me chills just imagine what these people in particular are going to feel and what they're going to do once they realize what they've been doing. Wow. Well, um, let me let me let me ask this then. Does how much does it piss you off that certain segments of the internet have distilled this book down to horny cops? <laughs> Zach honestly, cough cough. <laughs> I I actually love it because that's way better than uh this is the the neo-nazi book you know yeah uh, that's that's way better than what the alternative could be and um horny cops you know uh and and nate gray being an incel i love it it let's go with that <laughs> <laughs> it's a great spin i've i've, I've likened it to everyone just hyper lightening the story because the actual text is so dark and so deep and so different that we're not actually sure how to respond to it. Yeah, I I can totally see that. And that's fair. Um, I, I'm not saying it's not good. I've enjoyed the hell out of it over the last few weeks. And that's not just because you're writing a book that I have not read yet. The whole thing has been oddly specifically written for me and I'm into it. It, it's it's a weird event and it's only going to get weirder. So the way that these books are spaced out is intentional. Mm -hmm. And I'm smack dab in the middle because I'm I, I'm I'm the crux of the turning point um, when when shit really hits the fan. And then from there we go into uh, Vita's uh, Prisoner X and then we go into Tim's um, Extracts, which is you know, the, the rebel book. And this was all intentional. This was designed by Jordan and Zach and Lonnie as um, a way to move through the um, 
Age of X-Men world and and to show first uh, to present the utopia, but then start, you know, peeling back the layers and peeling back and showing you kind of like the what's what's rotting underneath that. Um, so that mm-hmm. starts with me. <laughs> That's fun. It's a nice honor, you know, I mean, it is. It also brings up an interesting question, though, because all right, we just saw um, last week the first issue of Next Gen um, that Brisson is doing, and um, we we get a glimpse of Blob um, in in his extremist uh, uniform, which is the the most recent member of the team that we've seen. How how much are each of you communicating with each other? as you're going through this event to make sure that their characterization of the characters that you're in charge of are being handled the way that you want them to be, even though it's in their book. I can't think of any other word, so forgive this verb. I'm not policing anybody's usage <laughs> of these characters. Oh, okay. Um, not, they, they've all been, we're super communicative and we talk about, you know, can we use this character here? Can we show this? Can I do this? Whatever. I'm using some of Tim Seeley's characters in extremists. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I think we'll see them in issue. Yeah. Issue three. Um, but I am deliberately not pulling back on their depictions of extremists as the bad guys. Because first of all, I understand that, you know, we're working within a utopian society and literally the only, and it's a functioning utopia, the only groups that know, you know, it's not really utopian um, are Department X. Um, that's, that's my book, Extremists. And uh you know the last two books vita's and tim's books as well so i understand that department x makes for a convenient villain in a utopia because they are kind of this boogeyman and they're the only ones we see patrolling and prosecuting and all of that kind of stuff so i um am deliberately not being like hey can you guys not make them look like the bad guys please because yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> because, your job um yeah, exactly because that's my job and the fact is of course you know what department x is doing it's going to it, it's it's bad of course it makes them look like um you know the villains and everyone else's story but it also means that you know, when you come to extremists to find out what's really going on, I get to slap the shit out of expectations. <laughs> like I get to really dunk on what people are going to be expecting because it is exactly, it is so far, it is so far from what we see of these characters in other books. I'm assuming there will be some explanation for the cookies that were dropped off in X-Men Alpha, uh, in Age of X-Men Alpha, that they dropped off um, while they were really mind-wiping Bishop. It, will that be explored in the mini? And if not, I, I'm okay with that. I was just curious. Oh, yeah. That is like scene <laughs> one, page one, my dude. That is <laughs> – I, I, I – so this was a moment – I always pictured um, – Julie and Bobby being the ones who set this up because, you know, 
introducing extremists with this playful, fun, hilarious dynamic that we're all familiar with and we're comfortable with. Um, and then we go right into seeing them prosecute romance um, still with that playful, fun uh, dynamic. It's, it's going to feel awful. It's going to feel so bad, but that's exactly the way that I wanted to tell this story. Um, Cause then, you know, obviously once they realize what they're uh, complicit in, it's going to feel all the sweeter. That's very exciting. I love the idea of all this. <laughs> I thought I, you guys were joking. Cause I did not realize that they had left cookies. I thought this was a goof and you answered it incredibly sincerely. And now I feel like I need to reread that issue. Oh no, don't even worry about it. I'm surprised that they included that because this scene that they're taking that from, um, the giving it to the X-Men thing was just kind of like, okay, well, I need to justify like these six pages of them baking cookies. I <laughs> I can't spend this much time on like a gag only to, you know, have it be for no reason. Um but yeah, so it's just like, yeah, sure. They give it to the X-Men, whatever. It's a utopia. Everybody gives cookies. Fine. <laughs> I, I cannot tell you how happy this makes me because when, <laughs> when I read that scene and I'm processing the, the issue after the next day, I was tweeting at Zach and Lonnie and I was like, tell me the cookies mean something. Like I became a cookie conspiracy theorist. And so <laughs> I love the idea that like I, I've, I've unlocked something here, you know, there's something behind those cookies. Oh yeah. There's lore. There is. This is great. Lore. This, oh my is, God. this is bonkers. This is absolutely <laughs> buck wild. Now, now Leah, uh, as we record this, it is Tuesday night and tomorrow the solicit for uh, number four comes out with the cover. Uh, mm -hmm. Which has already happened by everyone who's listening to this, but we've not seen it yet. What, what's that? What's that cover look like, Leah? What, what's going on number four? Let me let me pull this up for you. Oh, boy. Guys, this is going to be a live reaction. Live reveal. Oh, snap. Oh. Hold on. Uh, I need to... OK, is, so basically... is that is that is that Jean, Jean Paul? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so oh, Jean Paul. Oh, oh. Um, the North Star issue is issue four. Mm -hmm. And um, it looks like he's thinking and ripping out his brain. Ooh, yeah, because ooh, ooh. Basically, he has had his um, queer identity erased by Nate Gray and his memories taken as everyone has. Nate right. has removed all of their knowledge of um, sex and reproduction and romantic relationships and romantic history and even if Nate wasn't doing it intentionally, he erased everybody's queer identity. Right. And issue four is um, when basically Jean-Paul's subconscious is like, oh, you, you were going to try and put me back in the closet? I think the fuck not. <laughs> and it's a super fun issue. I love this cover because his his head that he's ripping open is littered with all of these old ripped up panels of his uh, past appearances in comics, um, including his wedding issue. There's some uh, I think there's a little John Byrne Alpha flight in here. This is some this is a really cool concept for a, a cover. Yeah, this was all. So I'm working with Raza on the covers. and He is a 
dear friend of mine. I absolutely adore him. And we- he's great. My son sleeps with a blanket of his art on accident. Oh my god, that's amazing! I didn't even know that you could get. Um, I don't know how legal. I don't know how legal it was. Some people may have sent me the cover of Age of X Men Alpha with Nate Gray looking over the world as a joke blanket. <laughs> Oh, and see. my son, my, my three-year-old, did immediately claim that as his. Oh, my nice. God. Oh. Yeah. So Raza's great. Yeah. I, I He's one of my best friends. I consider us to be kind of like, a, you know, we, we came into Marvel at the same time. We became Marvel freshmen at the same time and sat at the same lunch table. And, mm-hmm. and now now we're more like sophomore class Marvel. Um but he is just working with him on extremists and how mindful he is of the impact of covers. And he's fine tuning them to make them incredibly powerful. And like the issue number three cover, which <laughs> I took so much heat for both good and bad, um, which was just a silhouette of, blob holding hands with psylocke which was beautiful it's gorgeous unexpected but i'm into it that was another thing so like the cookies and and jubilee and the blob psylocke romance that's another thing that i pictured right from the get-go well can we yeah can we talk about blob for a second um because this is such i think blob is usually just used as you know something to hit um so how important was it for you to have like this unique take on a character that usually does not get a lot of depth or nuance? It, I never pictured it any other way. It's, it's more like I saw the opportunity to do this specifically because of um, the unique circumstances that this world would afford for somebody like Blob. He's he's going to be different in Age of X-Band than we've usually seen him. Um, and it's because he's been living in a world where he is, is respected, he's not mocked, and um, there's nothing strange about his appearance. There's nothing strange about anyone's appearance in Age of X-Band. Right. That is not a prejudice that exists. Um, so I, I made a beeline for, I made a blob line. I made a beeline for <laughs> because I, I saw the opportunity for it immediately. And within my first conversation to Jordan about this, I uh, pitched it and he accepted it and then the next day i started panicking like oh my god you can't let me do that just because i can make an argument for something doesn't mean you should let me do it but um (laughs) i the more people came at me with their like gross fat phobic remarks about you know blob being so disgusting they can't imagine anybody touching him the more i became obstinate about well okay uh my goal has always been to you know make people come out of this shipping blob and psylocke earnestly shipping them and now i'm just gonna double down on making you feel just feel all the feelings because fuck you (laughs) <laughs> I'll tell you that was I that was literally my first reaction when I saw that I was like ah oh, great 
Leah's gonna make me freaking care about Blob, isn't she? <laughs> oh, I sure. That's am. not gonna. That's I. I didn't want that in my life, but that's happening now. It, okay. Guess I'm running with it. It's it's great. I love it. I love the romance between him and Psylocke. It works out so well. And um, I have a little Blobsy playlist, Blobsy vibes. Um, I think Annalise, she's also uh, working with me as an editor on this. Um, she started shipping them by like issue two or whatever. So we're good. We're good. Well, that's not what I expected from this book, but I am very excited for it. I mean, there's a really limited palette in terms of um, what kind of forbidden romance story I can tell mm -hmm. in a book where their sexual attraction has been erased, um, you know, all of their knowledge, their queerness has been erased. Um, it's, it's, it's a limited scope. I know people right. wanted to see Psylocke with a woman um, and I, I would love to do that someday, but Extremists wasn't the right story for that. Uh, yeah. So uh, what's, what's this X-Band Arcade story? <laughs> so it is also my uh, Emma Frost cosplayer interaction story um, because the one really good Emma Frost uh, cosplayer interaction story. I was at Denver Comics right after I had started writing for Marvel. So, um, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed and walking up to creators at their booths like, hi, I'm Leah. I just started writing for Marvel. I love <laughs> that kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. um, and I got to meet all of these great people. And I ended up hanging out with some Sailor Moon cosplayers because I just gravitated gravitated towards them um and they brought me to this arcade bar and at the x-men arcade game was this blisteringly hot emma frost cosplayer and right. she was just monopolizing the console and she had like so many quarters and she was wearing the original like OG Emma outfit with the corset and the cape and, and all of that. And, um, and I had just written Emma Frost for the first time in my super hot short uh, that was in I, Secret Empire, Brave New World number mm -hmm. four, something like that. And it was just four pages but um, like a good four pages. And yeah. Yeah. I was so excited to walk up to this goddess in Emma Frost cosplay at the X-Men uh, arcade console. And I, I thought I was just gonna, you know, be such hot shit and be like, I just wrote Emma for Marvel. <laughs> and, um, but of course, like I'm, I'm nervous. So I, I could barely, get that out and then she was just like okay and went back to playing <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's was not that's, a selling point <laughs> uh no but at the same time the fact that it was an emma frost cosplayer who was just like totally disinterested makes it better you know <laughs> <laughs> like okay i accept this <laughs> So was it the uh, the two screen version? 
with uh with with all the characters available or was mm-hmm. it one of the yeah that's the only way to play it man Aha, you fell into our trap now that sound means that it is the time in the show where we play the game celebrity mutant powers as we all know in the age of x-man everyone is a mutant therefore we know that celebrities that we know and love today must also be mutants so leah I'm going to name a few celebrities, and I need you to tell me off the top of your head what their mutant power in the Age of X-Men would be. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, what? Uh, why Age of X-Men specifically and not like 616? Because we're in the Age of X-Men right now, and it's the theme. That's pretty much <laughs> it. Everyone has powers in the Age of X-Men. It's a whole thing. Okay, 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 okay. That's literally the entire reason. It's because we've turned into an Age of X-Men <laughs> podcast somehow. <laughs> that's fair that's fair all right first celebrity we've got five of these so get ready okay dolly parton uh she would have i i would get way too meta on this she's she's gonna have a power in in nature maybe something like um storms but not quite to that scale maybe she can make the grass grow maybe she can make the sun shine a little brighter i love dolly parton dolly's great <laughs> she sends my son's books every month it's dope oh she's a good she's a good soul she is she is i, I want to be her when i grow up uh the next celebrity walter jones the original black power ranger uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's before before my my era. You, you can pass. Hold on, hold on, Leah, <laughs> Leah, Leah. I'm supposed to be the young one on this podcast. How is Power Rangers before your era? Uh, I was born in '92. Oh my! You're not. Oh my gosh! And uh, I. Remember, I grew up like in a museum. When I say I'm a bubble child, I mean it's it's because I spent most of my time as a child in a literal museum in Mississippi with no air conditioning, cable, internet, none of that. That that came later. That's amazing. We really do need a bio comic on you, Leah. Like I, I want to hear this origin story in graphic detail. You know, like <laughs> it sounds like it's so, a, a Nick Hornby book or something. I, it, it does seem absurd um, <laughs> when I. It, it doesn't feel absurd. It feels normal to me. I had like a great childhood, but watching people react to that uh, has led me to understanding that it is um, kind of strange. But no, anyway. I- I, I can understand the Shepherd thing. I had a graduating class of nine uh, my senior nice. year, so I I feel some of those beats. I get I get where you're coming from. Also, he would have ice powers because the Black Rangers uh, Mastodon Zord shoot out ice. That's the appropriate answer. I feel like I you asked know. that to just answer it yourself. I, I, <laughs> I didn't, but I had to come up with something real quick. I, I don't know any of the words that you just said or, or he was my favorite power ranger because his name was also zach and that's when oh. i realized representation was important because I wanted to oh. that, that's that not a joke that's how it that's how it finally clicked for me i love it it's like oh little me loved zach's perfect this all makes <laughs> sense all right next one my chemical romance lead singer and now guy who has a tv show based on his comics gerard way he um, would be an empath. I like it. Next one, and I know you know this person. 
Uh, X-Men editor Chris Robinson. <laughs> so I I already have um, a, a mutant in mind that I, is inspired by Chris, <laughs> and I don't really want to say what their powers would be. Um, you understand that's the best possible answer to this joke question I ask. <laughs> um, I, yeah, but if I, if I say it, if I, I say exactly what I, I think, it, it's such a good idea though. And if I say it, then I won't get to write it. Keep, That's it, the thing. keep it in your bubble, keep yeah. it to yourself. Let's just, let's just put this one in the try and figure out what this means years down the road pile. He'll, he'll be named Crob. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> um, That's because... not more useful. Yeah, Crob, yeah. like corn on the crop. <laughs> <laughs> all right and then the last celebrity who would have a mutant power in the age of x-man marie kondo i think she would have uh something kind of like the way uh giant man uh, giant men can get bigger by borrowing mass from alternate universe selves. I think she would have sort of the inverse of that where she can vanish uh, material, anything with mass to an alternate dimension. Um, so she'd have anti-pim particles is what you're saying. Basically, yeah. Okay. Ooh, I like that. That'd be fun. Yeah. I, th I think that's going to be the name of her uh, next book, Marie Kondo's The Art of Anti-Pim Particles. <laughs> it's going to be very good. Well, we, we've oh. asked you a lot of questions, Leah. But uh, turns out we aren't the only ones who have questions and thoughts from you. We put out the call today on Twitter.com for uh, people to ask a few questions of uh, you. So let's just jump into those. All right. Let's uh, start with a question from at Genetic Ghost, our friend uh, Charlie on Twitter. If Richter was a meme, what meme would he be? He would be one of those. Um, he'd either be a tag yourself meme or <laughs> he would be one of those um, like chaotic neutral chaotic evil chaotic good kind of memes um except it would be the one that's all about like disaster bisexual and chaotic gay <laughs> and those um i feel like i've seen charlie tweeting one of these before <laughs> look yes i'm a hundred percent sure <laughs> our uh, our next question comes from uh, Jameson at Sty Excalibur, who asks, which mutants do you think are most deserving of a comeback and why? Now, to be clear, you've brought back several mutants. You gave Maggot his first speaking line in literally years, so thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> so after getting all of those, which mutants do you think are most deserving of a comeback? Uh, well, I still think it's Maggot. I, I still think <laughs> That's that... That's the right answer. Um, there is a lot of really rich storytelling um, with his character in particular. And I also think that um, Marrow really, really mm. needs more airtime. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm really earnestly warming up to uh, Adam X. <laughs> yes. 
He's uh, not good, but he's not bad either. I don't has know how potential. I feel about that. He has potential. He That's has it. Potential. Exactly. I was talking to um, Fabian about this on Twitter, and you know, he's friend of the show, Fabian Nicieza. Let's let's put that plug in here. He's been on here also. And he is an absolute joy, and I love yes. him so much. Um, and I was talking to him about this character, uh, which he created, because if if I were tasked with bringing Adam X back, I think he should be like a Guy Fieri type of figure with <laughs> yes. beach tips and, and like the flame decals and the sunglasses on the back of his head for whatever reason. Um, now you're making me want to eat at the Adam X, the extreme times square restaurant with like <laughs> mozzarella sticks. This would be an amazing experience. And the, <laughs> the extreme donkey sauce. That'd be, that'd be yes, good. exactly. Exactly. Captain crunch. So it cuts up the butt top of your mouth. Um, but, but, but Fabian hated it. <laughs> that tracks, that tracks, that tracks. Fabian, Fabian takes Adam X seriously. And I appreciate that about him. He, he does. And, um, all, all I'm saying is that Adam X has a lot of potential and the zeitgeist that he served in the nineties could be refreshed a little, uh, to, to, to be a little more um, brovalent. That's that's a <laughs> brilliant that's not relevant. a real word. Um, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. it. It could be updated. There's a He's lot like of a, a bro step enthusiast going to Coachella shows with electronic music. That'd be really oh, good. Yeah, I like that yeah. idea. Adam X is the only character I've actually written fan fiction about. <laughs> uh, so wow, what a detail. Yeah, I, I last year I wrote what? a four-page comic about Adam X called "The Age of Adam X: The Extreme." <laughs> you got to send that to Leah. It's very yeah. no legally she can't look at that. Wink, wink. Anyway, <laughs> it's on the internet. She can look at it if she happens upon it. She happens upon it. She can't stop that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Sentinel of the Skyway at Norin underscore Radical asked. Which underlooked detail of the extremists would you like more people to notice? Oh, that they didn't choose this. That that Nate Gray has assigned them these roles and they're not bad people. They're not villains. They're heroes who were made to be complicit in something bad. Okay. That'll be good. And hopefully after this interview, people will feel... Uh, more that way and understand that i i hope so i hope so that's good uh just a couple more that we're going to get to today for everyone else who sent in questions thank you so much i think actually most of them got answered in our conversation today uh and the other one sorry we just only have so much time uh but at trivia underscore lad tim may tom on twitter asked what can you reveal about moneta and how does it feel to be adding characters into the Marvel universe rather than just working with existing ones? Um, I was hoping that we would get to this question. That's that's one that I'd love to answer. Um, Moneta is a creation of Zach and Lonnie's. She was kind of part and parcel with um, this book in particular because of the important role she plays 
overall in Age of X-Men. So she she was the only fixed point um, as far as this book. And uh, the rest of my team uh, was all, you know, my choice in a conversation with Jordan. Um, and the way that we're writing Moneta, the way that we see Moneta, that is by my and Zach and Lonnie's design um, as far as the specifics of what happens with Moneta and the role that she plays. We wanted to think in terms of impact and um, what would be the most mindful of um, this this world and and you know the kind of care that we need to take with uh who we put on a neo-nazi team so mm-hmm. um moneta is a true believer in in what they're doing um she's ah. younger she is uh you know she's like 19 or something um and she's completely radicalized that's going to be very interesting to read i i know we've had brief experiences with her in age of x-men alpha and she was scary and i i I was not comfortable with her and i'm excited to see that develop moving forward yeah it's it's uh kind of reaches a boiling point in extremists um and it's not at all a good one (laughs) um but she's yeah she's the only real neo-nazi all right well this is intriguing (laughs) i i don't think that's that's been revealed yet but i i feel okay telling you guys that all right it's okay we'll we'll uh we'll survive with that now our last question comes to us uh not talking about extremists, but talking about War of the Realms Giant Man, which is the book that you are writing where four large men go undercover as frost giants. Am I reading that correctly? Yes. Is that not the most bonkers, <laughs> best pitch idea you have ever heard in your life? Well, I want to ask this first. Did you get pitched that or did you pitch that? Um, I can't take credit for it (laughs) um that is all chris robinson that is his idea and he had two pitches for war of the realms that were both just crazy crazy bananas good and in terms of like they both have the same energy of this like all the giant dudes dress up as frost giants um but i i can't reveal what the other one was um obviously and he chris robinson is so good at coming up with these ideas um stuff that you look at it and you're just like oh my god that's brilliant why hasn't anybody done this before like surely marvel has done this before but the fact is no they they haven't and um chris is specifically uh looking at that um so this is going to be the first comic that's ever been titled giant man and the first is that issue... why it's not titled giant men which grammatically i think makes more sense yeah yeah okay and that's fair that's fair it's i mean i'm not really sure 
why they went with like the the character giant man as the the title instead of giant men um because Roz Malhotra he's giant man right now right um Scott Lang is Ant-Man uh exactly you've got Atlas as not an ant or giant man and the fourth member of your team who's very tall is uh Tom Foster Goliath Goliath that's is, is he the new Goliath he is. So he's the nephew of Bill Foster. He and... was in like four pages. I thought no one was ever going to come back to that. Um, well, I am. And guess what? You're going to have a lot of feedback about him because I, I, I want everybody to love these characters the way that I love them. <laughs> and that is my goal, like 10 out of 10 every single time. Um, is is to make people you know love somebody that they didn't love before it sounds like a tall task but i think you're going to be up to the challenge oh my god i i am so ready writing um extremists and writing uh giant man are two extremes (laughs) because extremists is you know, it's it's a difficult story to tell by nature because there is so much sensitive material and it's emotional and nuanced and tender and and turbulent. And then Giant Man is fucking Florida Man jokes, action. It is Mission Impossible <laughs> with Giant Men. And I'm okay with this. That was a great pitch. Mission Impossible with Giant Men. That was literally the pitch. <laughs> literally and uh the first issue is titled a few giant men oh my god (laughs) (laughs) this is is... so much fun if we were were a thor or a general marvel podcast we'd be talking a heck of a lot more about war of the realms uh (laughs) the event that has leo williams and the mcelroy brothers both writing uh miniseries it's it's wild. But our, it, our last yeah. our last question, our last question to you is about Giant Men. It comes from the account Spam Ultron, which I do believe is a Ultron robot that has gotten uh, programmed with spam, uh, internet spam programming. Uh-oh. And uh, it asks, Giant Men gonna be horny? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is. Not not in the way that extremists is. It's it's gonna be horny in the way that it's this is an action comic. It's it's action adventure and, and it's nonstop. Um I've got three issues and it's like beefy dudes the size of skyscrapers. Um so that's that's, that's the answer to the question, right? There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be horny in the way that is is just kind of naturally horny a lot of the time that's good that's going to be a very exciting time and i think speaking of time that's about all that uh we have for this very very great conversation with leah leah where can people find you what are you doing what do you got going on if Um, people want to if they've been enamored by your brand in this uh in this hour or so uh find me on twitter i'm i'm a hot millennial mess um 
my monster is chic is is my twitter handle or you can just search my name and i should come up um i i'm on all the instant uh on all the communication things all the social media i'm at handax on instagram and tumblr um and and you i have a website leahmedia.com oh me and know. that has links to all the other stuff that is great. Now, everyone just remember that Extremist comes out on Wednesday. So make sure you pick that up. If you haven't been convinced by this conversation, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, but speaking of uh, where you can find humans and us, you can find me on Twitter at Xavier Files or at my website, XavierFiles.com. That's where I have all the latest in X-Men news, media, uh, joke posts that I make because I'm bored. Uh, also, you'll probably be able to find me talking about the eight hidden X-Men comics I found in Burger King Kids Meals. I'm staring at the mini CDs that they came on right now. I am so excited I, about this. They aren't good. <laughs> I don't Look, care. Tom DeFalco wrote three of them right now, and Tom DeFalco was getting himself a paycheck, and good for him. Uh, but they are they are interesting artifacts. So that's a uh, article that you will be seeing in the near future. Uh, also, if you want to support the show, go on over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files. If you pitch in at the $2 a month level or higher, we'll make an entire episode around three of your suggestions and rank them in our normal things when we're not talking to Leah Williams about giant men and neo-Nazis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this this may be the only podcast that is talking explicitly about neo-Nazis, but then saying, hey, go buy this book. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bad episode title uh, if we go by our standard theme. So let's just call this the uh, the Leo Williams Pitch Podcast. I don't know. We'll sort it out later. Adam, where can people find you? Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Um, we're getting down to the last couple of pages of Vision Jube's Attack on the Mansion, which is going to wrap up towards the end of March and uh, already starting production on the next issue. So um, if you want a copy of it, like a physical zine, go to uh, adamrec.bigcartel.com and you can get one mailed to you for just three bucks. Um, and Leah, thank you again for being on the show. This was wonderful to have you back. Oh, thank you so much. Do we have time for me to say one, talk about one thing in particular? Yeah, please yes. go ahead. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I, I don't know how to segue into it, but it's it's the reason why I got so excited to um, do this podcast again with you guys in particular, because I would like to talk about how um, you you guys changed my life and and how like X Men Twitter and the explain the X Men community um, changed everything for me. <laughs> Um, because that, you know, I've been, I've been wondering a long time how, how to explain this and you, you provided the perfect, um, platform to like both thank you directly and also just talk about it. Oh, thank you. Lee. I mean, we take no credit for your amazing talent. Um, yeah, you're the one just, who's good at stuff. We just yeah. have a podcast. <laughs> we're just <laughs> we're just very grateful that you're willing to take the time to join us. I mean that that really is uh, that's our pleasure. So thank you for being here. I it, it's it's so much more than that though. It's um, I, I mean you're being you're being humble, but it, it's also uh, the the way you 
are vocal about creators and X-Men and ideas and stuff online, um, you know, these things and, and I think having my name get tossed into these conversations, it, it got me work. Um, I would not have, uh, gotten the opportunity to write X-Men Black Emma Frost, if not for X-Men Twitter, I think, and the way people reacted to my Emma tweets. Um, and it, it's it's changed everything for me. We're really happy that that's happening, you know, to, you know, we're, I know I am personally very excited with um, the way the line is going, the fact that we have very talented writers collaborating on things that are somewhat radical um you know especially with what's happening with this age of x-man stuff so congratulations um and keep up the good work thank you thank you so much and and thank you guys for all that you do in the fandom and um it's the the community that that you've you know created and you contribute to as well is just amazing to be a part of and i'm so appreciative oh thanks well I I mean, yeah, I I don't think we've, I don't feel like we've done a ton, but I, I appreciate that. And I'm very glad that I'm glad you're getting work. And I'm glad that like you've gotten to make your mark on the X-Men because I, I was, I forget where I was. I was joking about this somewhere a little bit ago, but I was, I was talking to someone saying, is there anyone in comics who has done so much and made so much of an impact with, so little relative material than Leah because it's it's nuts you hadn't had a mini series yet you had like two full issues that you scripted and people are like oh yeah Leah she's she's the next big thing it's nuts in a very good way it, it is nuts and and I'm I'm telling you those conversations that are getting me more work um the fact that uh it's the what what you're talking about like the uh I, I guess goodwill maybe you know the the way i'm i'm regarded as something new um that directly impacts uh the the gigs that i get i'm like 90% sure <laughs> all i know is that it it has changed my life and um i am am stunned by it all the time well, that could not make us happier. Um, so absolutely, we hope it keeps going. Well, thank you. Well, it seems kind of dumb to say next week we're going to make jokes about Adam X because that was a very heartfelt thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we're doing next week. Leah, thank you so much for being on the show. It was our absolute pleasure to uh, get to talk to you again, and hopefully we can do this again in the future. Oh, uh, thank you. All right, guys, until then, this has been Battle of the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!